makes a difference to the atmosphere. Massive difference. I want to start off with this scripture. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And in another version, that verse and the one following says, For God loved the world so much that he gave his only son that everyone who believes in him may not die but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to be its judge, but to be its saviour. Cool, eh? You know, Jesus came to make a way to make us right with God. And he did that because we've all sinned. We've all sinned. We've all made mistakes and done things that are wrong. It started with Adam and Eve, and then that nature got passed down to every one of us. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That means that we all have done it. In a different version it says, All men have sinned and are far away from God's saving presence. And because of that sin, because of those things that we've done that are wrong, that has forced a separation between us and God. And we've all done things that we've either thought, well, in fact, we've all thought or said or done things that are wrong, haven't we? Absolutely. You know, Jesus, despite being the Son of God when he walked on this earth, do you know that he was not accepted by the priests and church leaders of the day? He wasn't accepted. Because he didn't fit the expectation that they had placed on him about who and what the Messiah was and should be in their mind. Jesus did miracles. He did signs and wonders. People who were oppressed of the devil were set free. Jesus made the blind see. He made the deaf hear. He made the lame walk. And those who were bound by sickness and disease, he miraculously healed. He did all of those things. You know, Jesus did all of these things outside the bounds that were set by the priests and the church leaders of that day. And if there was a person needing healing on the Sabbath, Jesus healed them. He loved the word of God. He knew the word of God inside out. After all, the Bible says he is the word of God. And he had, he had a love for the people so deep. But he wasn't bound by religious tradition. That's what I'm trying to say. And the priests and church leaders didn't like the fact that he might heal on the Sabbath. Because Jesus didn't do the things according to the way that they expected him to. They hardened their heart and they refused to accept him despite the amazing things he was doing. Do you know what? They, it even says in the Bible that they were jealous of him. They became angry with him for not obeying their law. They sought ways to kill him many times. And every single time he evaded it because it wasn't the time. It was only when it, it came time for him to die on the cross that that was allowed to happen. 
The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Do you know that you need to earn your wage? We earn wages. God knew that we couldn't live a sinless life necessary for heaven and so he had to make a way for us to be reconciled with him. He decided to offer himself in our place. It was the only way it could happen. And he did that by sending his son Jesus Christ. Jesus came to the earth and he lived a sinless life. He grew up, he was born a baby, grew, lived a sinless life so that when he died on the cross he became a sacrificial lamb on our behalf. It was far better than a sacrifice of a, 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 an actual lamb or any kind of other beast because it was human blood mixed with God and he lived a sinless life and so it meant that, that his blood became a sacrifice for all of us, for all of our sin. So Jesus died on the cross to make a way to reconcile us with God. You know, Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. You know, as I said, wages are what we earn. And so what is earned from sin is death. But God offers a way of escape from those wages. He offers us a gift, it says in that same verse. We are all eternal beings. God offers us eternal life, not eternal death. We are all eternal beings. We live in a, a body, which some describe as a, as a tent. It even says that in the Bible. When we die, our tent is cast off, but our spirit man still remains. You know, Jesus was crucified on what we call Good Friday. And before his crucifixion, he was beaten, he was whipped, he was mocked. The Bible says that the whipping he received, the stripes that were laid on his back, were for our healing. 1 Peter 2.24 The same verse says that he took all of our sin on his own body. That's a lot. That's a lot, isn't it? That's a lot of stuff. He took it all on his body, and he'd never experienced that before. That must have been awful. He took all our sin, and he took all our sickness, and all our disease. Why would he do that? Do you know Jesus spoke really plainly when he said in John 15:13, Greater love has no man than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. The next verse says, You are my friends. That means you are his friends. You are his friends. You are all his friends. And Jesus laid down his life for you. For me. But do you know what? The cool thing is, it didn't end there. In John 20 on the Sunday, some of Jesus' followers went to the tomb where Jesus had been laid. 
There was a giant big stone that had been rolled in front of it. Very, very heavy. If you've ever tried to pick up a rock that's even just this big, it's heavy. Imagine a big stone in front of the tomb. But it was rolled away. And inside there, the cloths that Jesus' body had been wrapped in were lying there in a crumpled heap, or in a heap. And the one that was wrapped, the cloth that was wrapped around his face, do you know where that was? That was folded and sitting separate. <laughs> do you know Jesus appeared to the believers many times for quite a few days after that? He had a physical body when he rose from the dead. But it wasn't bound by the physical constraints that we're bound by. It's really cool actually. I was reading about that in uh, John 20. And it's really interesting because I was talking before about hardening the heart. And you know the, the religious leaders of the time had hardened heart. But even after Jesus rose from the dead, some of the disciples didn't believe it either. Thomas, in verse 24, he was one of the twelve, wasn't with, there when, with, with all the rest of the disciples when Jesus came, the earlier time. And so he doubted it. And that's where that saying, doubting Thomas, comes from. The disciples had said, we've seen the Lord. And he said, unless I see his hands in the print of the nails and put my finger into the, uh, and put my finger into the print of those nails and put my hand into his side, I won't believe. <laughs> the really cool thing is that eight days later, they were all gathered and Thomas was there as well. And... It appears that there had been quite a, a, an uproar and they were a little bit afraid because there was a bit of pushback from yeah, persecution from other Jewish people. And so it says in verse 26 that the doors were shut. Now if you're a little bit concerned about your safety, you typically will shut the door and then lock it, correct? <laughs> I suspect maybe the door was locked. And then Jesus came, and the doors were shut, but Jesus still came, and he was in the room with them, and he said, Peace to you. And then he looked at Thomas, and he said, Reach your finger here, and look at my hands. Reach your hand here and put it into my side. Don't be but unbelieving, but believing. <laughs> And Thomas said, my Lord and my God. He was just so overwhelmed. But do you know what Jesus said? He said, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. And the next bit of that verse in verse 29 is actually for us, for you and I. He said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Our God is alive our Lord Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. He is alive. He is well. He is completely whole and sound. 
<laughs> That's for us. You know, Mark sixteen fourteen to 18 says, and I suspected it was around the same time, it says, Afterward he, which is Jesus, appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they didn't believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly it will by no means hurt them, they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Mm. Praise God. The first bit of that, where he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart. We need to be constantly checking ourselves out. In this time, God is going to move in ways that you are not expecting. God is going to do unusual things that seem outrageous and very not normal, defying logic, You need to be very aware that you don't harden your heart with unbelief. God is going to move powerfully and in a strong way. In here. In other churches. Around the world. He is already doing it. Let's not miss out. We want to receive what God has for us, not fail to receive it. We want to recognize everything he's doing. We want to recognize the ones he's anointed, not reject them or fail to recognize them. Verse 15 to 18 is what Jesus has commissioned all of us to do, every single one of us. Go into the world and preach the gospel. In the way that God has given you the grace to do that, we're all different, and so we all will do it in a different way. God doesn't expect us all to be standing up here to speak. God doesn't expect everybody to be standing on a street corner, for example. Different ways. The way that is your natural way of doing it is the best way. Verse 15 to 18 also says that we should be casting out demons using the authority that God has given us. Jesus delegated it to us. In Romans 10, 19, he said, what did he say? <laughs> it's gone out of my head. <laughs> Luke 10, 19. <laughs> I 
I give you authority to tramp on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. That means God has given us power over all the power of the enemy. And nothing will by any means hurt us. Nothing. 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 God has given us authority. We're not, we're not supposed to be just holding on to it and sitting in our seat in church. <laughs> we, we're supposed to be using it. <laughs> There's no point given, being given authority if we're not going to use it. What is the point of that? We're meant to be setting people free through the power of Jesus' name and the blood. Speaking with new tongues. Oh, there's power in the power in the voice of in the. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Do you know when you speak in tongues, you're speaking the perfect prayer? We need to do that more and more and more. We need to do it more and more and more. And the last one: lay hands on the sick. They will recover. Not they might recover. Not if, you will all, not if all the things line up perfectly will they recover. They will recover. We are people of faith. So we need to expect them to recover. Do you know what Jesus said after that? After he gave that commission to us? Verse 19 says, So after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up and sat down at the right hand of the Father. Sitting down means the job is done. Jesus has done everything he needs to do to make us right with God. That's why Romans 6.23 says, The gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus' job is done and now it's our job and the choices we make. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you don't know God, the only way to God is through Jesus Christ. It's the only way. Not through any other religion can you find God. You cannot do it. It is, it is, those are false. Jesus is the only way. And the cool thing is, Jesus paid the price. The job is done. Romans 6.23 calls it a gift, the gift of God. When we receive the gift, when we choose, when we make a conscious decision to receive the gift, we receive salvation. Now, if somebody gave me a gift and I just sat it there all beautifully dressed and never opened it, What would be, it wouldn't really be my gift, really, would it? Because I hadn't accepted it. Someone gave me a gift and I just left it there unopened. That would be a gift that I hadn't received, uh, chosen to receive. 
and so I'd receive no benefit from it. And that's what we have to do. Now, salvation doesn't just mean spending eternity in heaven with God, although it means that. It also means blessing and freedom for us while we're on earth. Psalm 103, 1-5 outlines the blessings, some of them anyway. <laughs> Do you know his benefits are? He forgives all of our sin. He does that. He heals all our diseases. He redeems our life from destruction. He crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies. He satisfies our mouth with good things. And they are some of the benefits. Psalm 103 verse 1 to 5. Look it up when, you, when you're free. You know, if, there, if we've already got salvation, if we've already received that gift, what else should we be doing? Philippians 2.12 says, towards the end of that verse, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. There's a few things in that. It means, one, to press on toward the goal of being like Christ. Philippians 3.13-14. So that's our goal. We want to be more like Jesus. That's why God told us about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All of those fruit we should be developing. And we are. And if you're not, you should be. Second, working out your salvation with fear and trembling means having the right attitude. Philippians 2.14 in the Amplified Version says, Do all things without grumbling and fault-finding and complaining against God and questioning and doubting among yourselves. Three, Having a wholesome dread of displeasing God, that's the fear of the Lord. Having an awe and reverence for his majesty and holiness, that, that really comes into the fear of the Lord too. You know, the fear of the Lord is, we know that God is full of mercy and compassion, we know he's full of love, but he's also all-powerful, Almighty God. Far stronger than anything we could ever be or make. And it's having that deep-seated respect for God and his tremendous power. That if we choose to sin and keep sinning when we know we shouldn't be, that's a, that's a scary place to be because we should not be doing that. It's having that respect for the Lord. It's living a life of holiness. So that's point five, living a life of holiness. You know, 1 Peter 1.16 says, Be holy as I am holy. That's what God says, Be holy as I am holy. 
Point six, be obedient and submissive to God. Do you know that Romans 12, 1 to 2 says that this is our reasonable service? I'm going to read it to you. This is a good scripture. Romans 12, 1-2 I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. It's not our outrageously difficult, hard service that we can never attain. It's not a simple, kind of easy thing. It does take a bit of work, but it's our reasonable service. It's reasonable to, for God to expect that from us. Being obedient and submissive to God. And the last point, surrender to God. That can be hard. Matthew 16:24 from the Passion Translation says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If you truly want to follow me, you should at once completely reject and disown your own life. And you must be willing to share my cross and experience it as your own as you continually surrender to my ways. I used to find that difficult. And I possibly... I think it's something we always have to be continually thinking about. We have our own goals and desires, but are we willing to lay them down at God's feet? Possibly not getting them back. That's what surrender is. It's where you're willing to lay it all at Jesus' feet knowing that you might not get to do those things. But you might. You might. Surrender is where you're handing it all over to God. And in this day and time, where the Holy Spirit is going to move in a way that has never been seen before, we are going to need to be in that place of surrender if we want to be used of God Ruth. Ruth's going to give a, a testimony. Can I have a microphone, please, for her? Oh, there's one here. Matt's got one. Cool.
Praise the Lord.
Thanks, Ruth. I wanted her to share her testimony about then during the message. You know, you might have been going to church for much of your life. Maybe this church, maybe a different church, but unless you've made a conscious decision to follow Jesus, the one who makes the way or the way maker, you haven't received the gift that he has offered offered you. Or you might have rejected God at one time and told yourself that God would never accept you now. But do you know what? That's a lie. The Bible calls Satan the father of lies and we should never fall for his lies. The only reason a person doesn't make it to heaven is because they have rejected Jesus and haven't received that gift that I was talking about. John 1, 1 to 5 talks about the word being with God and the same as God. You know, Jesus is the word of God. He is truth. He is life. I'm just going to read this out to you. This is, a, this is actually a Bible that when my grandfather died, <laughs> the family were clearing out the house and I went there and they were just going to turf out all the books and I went straight to the bookshelf and got his Bible <laughs> and uh, it's in large print too which is even better <laughs> but uh, I just thought this is my grandfather's this is my dad's dad and, and I, I, so I grabbed that Bible and a, and a few other cool books too that he'd had I just want to read this to you I'm replacing the word, capital W, with Jesus. Before the world was created, Jesus already existed. He was with God and he was God. From the very beginning, the, wor the word, or Jesus, was with God. So from the very beginning, Jesus was with God. Through him, God made all things, and not one thing in all creation was made without him. Jesus was the source of life, and this life brought light to men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has never put it out. 
That's cool, eh? Jesus is the source of all life. You know what? If you, if you think that's cool, but that's as far as it goes, you need to maybe meditate on that. <laughs> Start meditating on it, because if he's the source of life, then that makes healing a really easy thing. Because he's the one who created you. God created you. God created you. That means he knows every little tiny microscopic bit about you. And if there's something wrong, he knows how to make it right. So it makes sense, eh, to receive the gift that he offers, which he bought and paid for with his own life. So I, I want to offer salvation to anyone here that has never met Jesus. I also want to, this is for people that have never met Jesus before, and this is for people who have but have backslid. Also, in a moment, I want to open up the altar for anybody with any kind of prayer need. Okay? And myself and other leaders will pray with you. So I want everyone to pray this prayer. And if, if you feel like God's do, been doing something in you, that means you need to pray this prayer. I want everyone to pray it, though. So if you wouldn't mind closing your eyes and say after me, Lord Jesus, when you died on the cross, you proved that you love me. And when you rose from the dead... You proved that you had the power to transform me into someone new. I believe your word is true. I receive the gift that you have given me. I believe you rose from the dead. I am forgiven of every sin I've ever committed. And you put my name in your book of life. From this point on, Lord, I know without a doubt that I am a child of God. From now on, guide every step that I take. Lead me. Teach me. I declare that I will be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want to see you, please. <laughs>